0: shining a light on autism and life as an autistic person. Welcome to My Friend Autism, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma, and misconceptions around autism while increasing understanding and acceptance of the autistic community. And now, here's your neurodivergent host, Orion Kelly. Welcome, my friend. I'm Orion Kelly, that autistic guy. So great to have you back for another video podcast, whether you're watching this podcast or you're listening to this podcast. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for your support. Now, as an autistic guy, I have a pretty simple goal, and that is to help you raise your level of understanding, acceptance, and appreciation of the autistic community. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, I'd be delighted if you consider checking out my YouTube channels. I've got Orion Kelly, that autistic guy, my primary YouTube channel with all my content. And I've got my purpose-built, dedicated podcast YouTube channel, Orion Kelly Podcasts. And just so we're clear, if you're listening to these podcasts on your regular standard podcast platforms, the difference is if you want to go to the YouTube channel, the podcast YouTube channel, you can not only hear the podcasts, but you can physically watch me in my little home studio doing the podcast. So it's like a live action video podcast. If that's something you'd be interested in, by the tone of uh, your speech right now, I can hear you. And by the face that you're pulling, I can see you. You don't. So get stuffed. All right. Now on this podcast, we're going to tackle the topic of eating and autism. All right. Maybe let's just Stop there. So what what do you mean, eating and autism? I I get that people eat. Okay, well, let's let's clear it up. Why do some people think autistic people are fussy or picky eaters? Well, they probably think that because it's true. Why are we, though? Why can autistic people have such particular eating habits? Why can autistic people, in general terms, be such fussy, picky eaters? Why? Why, Orion? Why? I will tell you. Let's explore this topic, my friend. Exploring meaning I do all the work and you just listen and watch. All right, so let's explore the topic of eating and autism. We're going to answer the question, I promise. Why do autistic people have such particular eating habits? We, are, and I know this because I've got an autistic kid, I'm autistic, we can be labelled fussy eaters. We can be labelled strange in our eating habits. Weird. This one, this one hurts me boring what's with your what's with your meals they're so boring all the time it's the same what what, what you what do you mean you so hang on a second you're saying you're saying you want a chicken salad sandwich but you're saying you want me to take off three quarters of what would make up a salad that's right can you just make it please okay so there's two things to say number one that's the truth number two it's not the truth what all right what are you talking about okay well (laughs) We're not fussy eaters. This is what I mean. We're not picky eaters. We're not strange eaters. We're not boring eaters. We're autistic eaters. Uh, yeah, now, hang on. I don't mean we eat other autistic people. That No, we're not cannibals from what I... And, and actually, sorry, in general terms, there could be. I don't know. I'm not one. My son's not one. But in general terms, actually, if that includes, like, eating your own kind of skin and, you know, picking your fingers and... and okay, too much information. So we're not cannibals. Have we established that? I hope we have. God, I hope we have. We're not. I'm just saying that as an autistic person with a, with a clearly a different brain, we have an autistic brain. It influences our eating habits. Now, if it's different to neurotypical people's brains, then clearly it's going to be manifested as a difference in the way we eat, the way we digest. That's a whole other thing. The way we pick how we eat. The way we view. Because don't you reckon you eat by looking too? Right, okay. Let's start with the how. How do autistic brains influence our eating habits in ways that others find strange or fussy or boring? All right, well, simply put, part of being autistic is experiencing sensory challenges. You get that. We've talked about that in so many videos. It's it's a diagnostic checklist, okay? These, these challenges around sensory stimuli in our environment. And that doesn't just mean the stuff you think of automatically, you know, like sounds... Lights and brightness, it can also be the other senses. Smells, right? I mean, there's, there's so many different things. The feeling, the texture. These are senses too. So touch, taste, feel, smell, and sight, in my opinion, plays a big part in eating. Don't you agree whether you are you know, a neurotypical person, an autistic person, or I don't know. Don't you think? I reckon it does. In other words, I'm saying it's not just about taste. Smell. Everyone would say that, and I'm saying all the senses, including including the touch. As an autistic person, I can experience hypersensitivity to sensory inputs and senses. Now, some experience, I guess you would say, like an undersensitivity. They need more input. Some autistic people seek sensory input. Some autistic people, well, we coil away from it, and this is why we're all different. Either way, From my personal experiences, hypersensitivity of senses, to sensory inputs is a thing. Now, this hypersensitivity can make eating not only hard for me, but I reckon it's pretty stressful and sometimes, frankly, it's distressing. Clearly, as I always say and I know you get, I can only talk on my own personal experiences as an autistic guy with an autistic son. Some autistic people they may also have additional diagnoses, additional issues they they deal with, they experience, they're challenged by. Okay, so we'll just note them and we'll move on because this isn't a video on this. But okay, so there may be a diagnosis of avoidant restrictive food intake disorder or ARFID. Now, That might be something you want to explore with your GP, your family doctor for you or maybe the autistic person in your life. And great. I think you should if you think it's something that could be more serious. Just putting it out there just so people understand the experience that we're talking about and how there are autistic people 100% that can have comorbidities. So additional diagnosis of something like avoidant restrictive food intake disorder and many other uh, comorbidities. Let's move on to the why. So that's the how. Being an autistic person, different brain, sensory inputs, the why. Why is the simple act of eating something that can become stressful and distressing? Okay, we'll go through the senses. Let's do the the touchy-feely stuff, (laughs) an autistic's favourite thing. All right, so the way food feels, and I'm talking that to touch, so the things, you know, this could be things that you think of food, right? The way they they feel prior to actually putting it into your mouth can actually trigger sensory overload. Soft and squishy foods are bad. (laughs) They trigger me. They're not my friend. They set me off, I'm telling you. And here's the weird thing, right? I I love bananas. I love bananas but I bloody hate touching them with my fingers. I absolutely hate touching bananas with my fingers. What are you talking about? How do you eat a banana? I eat a banana with my fingers. I just, I hate it. I hate the touch of it. Now you could, I guess you could peel it three quarters or halfway or whatever. I love yogurt, but I hate yogurt when it's actually on me. You know when you take the lid off and sometimes stuff on the lid or the seal kind of gets on your fingers? I've got to wash my fingers straight away. I've also got to stir the yogurt all the way through but that's probably a a sight thing. See how just the smallest things can be experienced differently in a brain, an autistic brain that experiences these things differently and how that can manifest into fussy, picky, boring, weird, strange eating habits in your mind, although they're not. They're just different because there's a different brain processing them. I love chocolate. Who doesn't? Okay, maybe some don't. That's cool. I do. But I hate when chocolate melts in your hands. I hate that. I hate the idea that people would lick the chocolate off their fingers. To me, that's disgusting. It, you know what? Actually, it's downright uncivilized. What are you? An animal? I prefer crunchy, robust consistency of food. So, you know, the things that can the things that can kind of they're solids, but they can become liquids, the things that can melt on your fingers. And you know what? This could also be like things that I like, robust, crunchy things like chips. I'm sitting next to my wife or my kids. They're licking like the sh- the shrapnel from the chips off their fingers or they dig into the bottom of the bag and eating the shrapnel at the bottom of the chip bag, right? My wife always gets it. I don't want it. It's like you get covered in the stuff. It's so all of your fingers. It's it's coated. It's There's layers to it. They lick it off. What are you doing? doing what is what is that you you're done you eat that food you the food you can pick up and put in your mouth you eat it and you chew it and then when there's stuff there that's not even available in a solid form but you can somehow get it out and with the dust and you you, you the, the the eating finished prior to that my friend <clears throat> so obviously i like <laughs> i like more crunchy more robust stuff now this could be why some autistic people avoid fresh snacks like fruit. This isn't because we don't like fruit. We don't want to be, it's not because we're, we're trying to be unhealthy. Because a lot of fruit can be messy and sticky and gooey and liquidy and, you know, unpredictable. One banana to the next is different. One apple to the next is different. How stupid is that? I'm going to bite into a stone fruit and hope this one's not so tart or bitter. It's like, really? You can't just give me one and say, this is going to be great. <laughs> so this is why autistic people might, in your eyes, think, geez, these guys, all they eat is snack food. Okay, so eating pre-packaged snacks instead of some of the other things, the more unpredictable or squishy-gooshy things, it's not only in that it feels better, but it feels better in and out of your mouth. But that is because when you think about it, pre-packaged snacks are by design consistent. Now, I'm not saying you guys should eat snack food or pre-packaged food. No, I'm not. Uh, We all have to eat a healthy diet, a balanced diet. What I'm saying is look at it from an autistic point of view. There is no consistency in certain foods. Autistic people thrive on plans and structure and consistency. Pre-packaged food is by design consistent it also may be by design flavorless and not fresh and bad for you but for some autistic people it's consistent you can rely on it and it won't set them off conversely you take your life into your own hands my friend with bananas or other fresh fruits those squishy unpredictable yet delicious devil fruits Let's talk about smell and taste. All right, so for me, smelling a food is tasting a food. You're probably the same. You know, when you walk in a room, what is that? It smells delicious. What are you making? Or you walk past a bakery of fresh cooked stuff. Oh, my God. Or you walk into a restaurant. Wow, what is that? That's bloody delicious. So it doesn't matter what the food or the meal is. If it's smell, triggers an autistic person, triggers the senses and overloads the senses, the chances of me being able to eat it become very slim you see what I'm saying so you might walk past something and smell it and go wow that smells delicious right but traditionally it's not something that's going to bother you or going to change your decision on whether you should or not should or shouldn't eat dinner for an autistic person for me if I smell something that sets me off and I don't mean in a pleasurable way that you know that's it it overloads my senses there's an overload there by the smell of a particular food. There's, no, there's probably no way I'm going to be able to eat it. There's probably no way. It's, it's slim to none. It's, it's an automatic rejection based on how the smell made me feel. And that isn't about being fussy. Again, unless you're inside my brain, this is the autistic brain actually processing, trying to process and understand a sense that it's experiencing at a hypersensitive level. So it's, it can smell absolutely disgusting. Alright, let's talk about the banana again. So, in my opinion, bananas have different smells. You see what I'm saying? You so say you got your unripe, green kind of waxy smell. And that's the kind of one that you know, no one's gonna go near that, except unless of course you, you know you're one of those like TV fitness gurus. You should only ever eat bananas when they're green and waxy. They're good for you. And then once you've eaten the banana, don't eat again for seven days and go for a run. It's like, no, no, I'm not, no, no. All right, then there's the overripe. We're talking it's yellow, it's black, it's all sorts of colours. It's got this crazy strong aroma of sugar. Sugar that's so sugary, it's had to retire to a sugary farm retirement home. and, And as a result, it's no longer edible. It's in a coma from its own sugar. Do you see what I'm saying? It's gone, but you can smell it. Can you not? Can you, you know what I'm saying? A ripe banana has a smell like if the sugar decided it wanted to renovate its house and its clothing and construct it in nothing but more sugar. It just, oh man, I can't eat that. What is that? No one should eat that. Like, even if you're the people that hate the, the people on TV that talk about eating it raw or whatever, when you're eating it green one because it's good for fitness, if you're the people that hate the fitness people and refuse to do anything about your fitness, even you shouldn't be eating it. Granted, you probably are though. All right, so then there's this, I don't know what you want to call it. Is it. like a blue moon type scenario, you know, where the smell of the banana, it's, it's teetering on the edge. It's not too sugary and ripe and it's not too green and waxy. It's just right. Now, I don't know. I think, you know, in my 82 years on the earth, by the way, this is I, I make jokes about my age. People, people are commenting about a video I did a year ago. I'm not 72. Do I look 72? I'm not 72. I just said, then I think I just said 82. I make it up. I don't even know what I'm saying. It's, it's a joke. I'm not. I'm clearly 90. What's wrong with you people? The bottom line is fruit provides no real guarantee of anything. Okay, so look at it like this. It'd kind of be like buying a pack of biscuits that are plain packaged and unmarked. So you know they're biscuits, but you have absolutely no idea what type they are or how they'll taste. You see what I'm saying? See, I can rely on pre-packaged food. It will basically, in general terms, look, feel, smell, and taste the same every time. Now that's a guarantee I can work with, and trust me, I did like three weeks of competition and consumer law before I dropped out of that unit. Just, yeah, and it's I know about guarantees. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On the other hand, never knowing if a food will taste good or feel right is what. Now I'm not being I'm not joking here. Seriously, is is actually overwhelming for an autistic brain. It's stressful. So never knowing. That the food that you're about to consume or want to consume will taste good or will feel right because it's just it's un, it's an unpredictable food in nature is actually stressful and distressing. It legitimately can overload you to the point of a shutdown or a meltdown. Again, you could go everything you've said so far. So far, Ryan just says you're fussy, you're strange, you're weird, you're a picky eater. Okay. Now, what I'm trying to tell you is I'm dissecting all the senses one by one and running it through the filter, the lens of an autistic brain that processes and experiences the world around us differently and the senses are a big part of the world around us and we have hypersensitivity to the senses, some under, some both. Autistic people experience the senses differently. I don't care if it's under or over or hyper, it doesn't matter what it is, it's different. Therefore, we're not picky eaters. Does, do you see what I'm saying? Do you see how this makes sense? All right, let's, let's do one more, then I'll, a little bit of advice, okay? So we, we, we've done, let's do sight. What have we done? We've done smell and taste. We've done touch and feel. We'll talk about sight. How a food looks has always been important to me. So what I'm saying is it's a deal breaker. As an autistic person, when I see something, I'm seeing it through that autistic brain lens, I don't know why, it's for some reason, it doesn't, if it doesn't look good, or it doesn't look right at least, maybe it's more about being right than good, it's, it can be a legit deal breaker. Yeah, I'm pretty judgmental. I'm very judgmental, in fact, of food, just by the way it looks. I don't think that's superficial. Well, let me rephrase that. That isn't superficial. It is in in general terms, you could say, well, if you judge things by the cover, then you're superficial. That's true. But I'm viewing it through the lens of an autistic brain that is viewing everything around it through the lens or looking for, trying to detect the radar is up for potential sensory overload triggers. Does that make sense? I think I said sench. I'm not getting it out. It's staying in. And from now on, when you use the word sense, I, dare, I double dare you to use the word sench. I think it'll sound better. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're looking at things. Those veggies they look pretty squishy to me. That melted cheese, it looks too melted. What did you just say? All right. If cheese is melted for too long, if cheese is cooked for too long, it's going to taste burnt, mate. It's going to taste overcooked. Ser- you, don't think, you don't think you can cook? You don't, you're telling me you don't think you can melt cheese too much? I reckon you can. Maybe for you, you can't. For my tastes, yes, you can. There's a difference in cheese being... And here's the other thing, right? The, the veggies. God help me. Like, seriously. Who... What are you doing cooking veggies to within an inch of their life. they're ve- You can eat, v- okay, so not all. A lot of veggies that are really delicious and healthy, you can eat basically raw. You could just cook them in some boiling water for, I don't know, a minute or so, just to I guess to warm them up, but you- they should still be crunchy. Like seriously, what's with people making like Sunday roasts and stuff and serving up veggies that are more liquid than solids? Am I drinking the broccoli or am I eating it? What do you call these carrots? I'm pretty sure this is carrot juice which you've served to me on a plate with a fork. No one drinks juice on a plate with a fork. I apologize. Here's another one. Mate, that toast, that toast isn't even toasted enough. What is that? That's not toast. It's going to be soft still. And squishy in my mouth. If I wanted that, I'd say, can I have bread? I didn't say bread. I said toast. So don't, don't get me toast and deliver me bread in its like transitioning form. I don't want it. I don't want bread that's transitioning. I want bread that is toast. Soft and squishy toast is not toast. It's bread. At best, it's brost. And that's not even a word. Does that make sense? Here's another one based on sight. If I spot ingredients, right, that I don't like, and this is obviously due to to experience, to past sensory triggers. Ingredients I know in the past have triggered me, be that taste, smell, feel. If I spot those in a food that I haven't tried before, then that's that. I'm going to avoid it without giving it a chance. If you're making something that I haven't tried before and I can see there are ingredients going into it that have bad feelings to them (laughs) that I know will trigger me, that's that. No, not going to happen. Now, again, I'm not justifying this. I don't know if I'm even trying to explain it. I think I'm just trying to shed some light on an autistic brain. Again, you could look at it. It isn't, but you could look at it a bit like trauma. If there's things in your life that have caused you trauma, when things similar to that could pop up, or the even your brain thinking the chances of something similar to that popping up could occur, you're going to avoid it. And this could be anything in life. It doesn't have to be life-changing. It could be any type of trauma of any kind. But I'm never going to try to park at that car park again. I could barely get in and out. Forget it. I'd rather take the bus or the train. You know, take, it doesn't have to be big. So this is the same. You're going to put that in. You're going to put that in this meal. Or you can forget it. Last time I had that, I was gagging. I almost vomited. It tastes disgusting. The smell was horrible. It's like, okay, let's say you got cauliflower. It's or already. I'm like, I don't. I'm not up for that, mate. What is this? It's like, it's like a bland version of broccoli. I don't know. It's yuck. Okay, and then you're going to cook it to, to within an inch of its life. It's going to be really squishy and liquidy. And then you're going to pour on melted cheese on top of it or some sort of creamy melted cheese on top of it. And the smell of of kind of creamy cooked cheese, make the smell can make me want to vomit, right? And you put it on top of something. Like, well, not, that means what's under that is not getting it eaten now. It, I know it sounds ridiculous, but again, it's based on smells and sensory issues, a good example of the whole, like, ingredient thing is Christmas pudding. This may go down as one of the biggest regrets of my life, and I've had lots. It's, uh, yeah, it's a big one. It's, I'm still in therapy for this one. <sighs> okay, Christmas pudding. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? So, uh, look, in Australia like you could, you could have like a Christmas cake, which is kind of like what a, a cake with lots of fruit in it. And there's like a Christmas pudding and the Christmas. I'm sure you do, but the Christmas pudding is, is basically like a kind of a Christmas cake, lots of, you know, yummy dried fruits and, but it's in a pudding and you, you boil it in, you boil it in a bag in water for like, I don't know, seven weeks. And then you put it in the fridge for, I don't know, two years. And then on Christmas day, you take it out and you boil it for another uh, six hours and then, you know, when everyone's asleep and they can't have it, you have it to yourself because it's got to be bored again for six hours and you forgot about it till dinner. So you're eating your Christmas pudding at midnight and you're going, Jesus, is bloody nice. Okay, great. That's what a Christmas pudding is. Does that make sense? It looks shriveled. Christmas puddings look shriveled. It's like you stay in the bath for too long. If you're going to boil something for six hours, it's going to look shriveled. It looks squishy. It's packed with dried fruits. They usually set me off. Why would I go near something that looks shriveled, squishy, but weirdly kind of hard on the outside and full of dried fruits that I don't know like I mean like some of them and not all of them. I, which ones are gonna be? How's it gonna taste? Why would I do that? I wouldn't. The problem is, every year it's getting served, and I'm thinking, what is why is everyone so all over this stuff? My wife is telling me, you've got to try it. Like seriously, Orion, you've got to try Christmas pudding. I think you'll really like it. She's telling me this every year. No, I finally did it. I finally tried her, her mum's famous Christmas, pudding on Christmas. I tried it. I immediately said, is there more? More, please. That's another thing autistic people like to do. They finish eating and they bit more? Is there more? I couldn't believe what I deprived myself of. This is a thing. I couldn't believe by by citing ingredients in something that I knew would set me off and denying myself the opportunity to try this, I had denied myself. Years, years of Christmas pudding. In saying that, though, my gut didn't agree so much <laughs> with the Christmas pudding a few hours later. But I'm guessing that was probably the richness and the dairy side of it. And that's a whole nother podcast. Gastro, intestinal issues and autistic people. God help me. You eat something rich, eat something with dairy in it, and oh, wowsers. It's uh, like, seriously, someone came down from, the, from a giant hill while I was in the toilet and said, it's going to blow. Not true. Okay, so let's finish on some advice. I reckon, as always, the best advice is just understand and appreciate why the autistic person in your life is, is exhibiting, is experiencing, is developing the eating habits they have. So it's not a choice. So much as I just want to be fussy or picky or a nightmare. They're not fussy. They're not picky. They're not strange. They're not boring. They're not a nightmare. They're autistic. The way we experience food like everything else in life is different because we have autistic brains. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Catch up on all the episodes at orionkelly.com.au. Well, as always, I appreciate your support, my friend. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast on eating and autism. If you have any feedback or ideas, please put them in the comments below. Don't forget I'm here to help you raise your level of understanding, acceptance and appreciation of the autistic community. If you're listening to my podcast on your podcast what, what? On your podcast platforms, <laughs> do me a favour. Check out the YouTube podcast channel, Orion Kelly Podcast. It's my dedicated purpose-built podcast youtube channel nothing but video podcasts watch me do the podcast which how exciting does that sound and also the primary youtube channel orion kelly that autistic guy with all the content once again your support is amazing thank you so much for watching and listening you've been listening to my friend autism with orion kelly Join the conversation, get in touch with Orion, and binge all the podcasts, blogs, and videos. Visit orionkelly.com.au.